So, title of the lesson is, God has an offer which no one should refuse. You know, famous line from a movie in The Godfather's, I will make him an offer he can't refuse. God doesn't make forced offers, but it is an offer that stands during each person's lifetime. Because your lifetime's all you have to understand that the meaning of life is to understand how to get right with God. And Jesus is the final plan of God. You know, there's lots of questions out there. And in looking up some of the major unanswered questions in science, I just looked at it, it's pretty interesting. How exactly did life begin? There's controversy about that. Why do we dream? I don't even know that. Because sometimes my dreams have no sense, or at least I can't connect it yet. You know? What is the cure for cancer? Can we travel through time? Is our universe the only one? What exactly is the consciousness, subconscious? I always like to think the more you grow in the Lord, and you walk with God, it's not just opening your Bible and praying or coming to church, which are incredible reinforcements of what God calls us to do, but to continue to have a subconscious awareness of God's presence throughout your whole day. That takes a setting your mind on things above and continuing to be aware of truths that God says. God is near. Jesus says, for those of us who are become disciples, Jesus says, go make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. He says, I'm with you always. So if you don't feel like he's with you, there's answers that you should find out. You know, another fun question is, if you enjoy wasting time, are you actually wasting time? You might be deceived. If you're living in a van down by the river and you're wasting time and never got a job, then it might be, even if you enjoy it, it's still, bro, it's time to, you're in a van down by the river, is it still attractive? If you, uh, can, can you ever be in the wrong place at the right time? I was in the right place at the right time. And we know God even says there's no coincidences. We, you, know, you know how many times I reflect that I realize I probably missed God meetings before I really understood and answered the call to really study the Bible when I was invited? I don't know, but I realize God's grace is so big that I probably just didn't, I wasn't aware of it. But, you know, it's just funny questions, isn't it? Um, if corn oil is made of corn and vegetable oil is made of vegetable, then what is baby oil made of? I thought that was funny. It's not going to be babies, is it? I saw a commercial, and I remember just it caught my eye, and it made the whole question of a little kid talking to her dad made me think of the whole 
you know, makes me remember the, 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 what the commercial, the advertiser, so I think it's brilliant. But the kid kept asking questions to the dad, and he thought he had it all figured, he had, thought he had the child quieted down, because, you know, a young child just asks anything. And then it ended the commercial with he thought he had some peace in the car, and, and then the little, little girl goes, Dad, do fish get thirsty? And he's like, oh, here we go. I can't answer, you know. It's just funny because uh, I don't know. So the title of the lesson is God Offers. God has an offer that no one should refuse. Well, I think the greatest question that many people in the world don't understand or don't haven't really uh, understood to really secure is how do I get to heaven? Now, people, most people believe in a heaven and a hell, but most people are self-prophesizers that they're in heaven or their loved ones are in heaven if they die. And I'm not going to tell you either way, but, but the Bible says we're not to judge. So we all aren't to judge, but most people will make statements if a loved one dies. I've never been to a funeral where someone says, eh, I don't know. Most people just insinuate, even if they don't even understand, they just insinuate if there's a place, he's there yeah. or she. And once again, we're not to judge, but, but that's a judgment, isn't it? Yeah. You're emotionally making a statement that you're sure someone's somewhere. How do you get into heaven? Well, let's look at, the, let's look at Job 14, verse 5, to first understand what, the, what's, what, what are the stakes. Well, an offer that you should not refuse, God's grace is we need that all the time but I even realize God's grace is the lifetime of a human being it's not you're not saved yet but the the fact that God allowed you to come into life and allowed you to come into the world you didn't have a say you didn't have a say whether you were going to enter life or be a man or a woman or what century what time you came in you didn't have a say but you've been launched into the human life experience, which we know God says won't, we won't exceed around 120 or more years. He says that, and if you're really honest, if you look at people that even die, very rarely do you see someone that goes past 120, but people do make it to 120, but people die our lifetime. The majority of men, you know, case study is, you know, men in, in, in a first world with medical and, you know, like in America, I think it's even lowered a little bit, but men are in their late 70s. Doesn't mean you won't live longer. I mean, Papa Joe's piping out songs, he's 90. Papa Joe's 94, and he's up here in the front row. And who doesn't hear him when we sing, Thou art, art thou God, how great thou art. He's, he's, he's coming out like a songbird. I saw him at the beginning of service, said, Papa Joe, how you doing? You know, we both have canes. We're both connected. But I went down here, and he goes, I'm fighting, bro. I went, you're in good company. Paul even said that before some of the last words. But amen, bro. You're inspirational. Yes. Uh, Miss Yvonne's back there. Yes. Awesome to see you always. Why do I say that? Everybody's awesome. But you know what? The longer you walk with God, you defy people because you're a reflection if you're walking right and you're, you're really on the road to going, not only how do I get to heaven, but what does the life look like on, to heaven? Because before you get to heaven, even though you get it right, you still, he might not take you. So there's a life. And we should be having the reflection of God permeating more and more through us as we're on the right road. 
So if you're older, it's an, it, it, believe whoever you are, your faith is important. You're important. And if you're displaying a correct biblical saving faith, you're not better than anybody. But there is a power that's coming from God to answer questions. Job 14.5. A person's days are determined. You have decreed the number of his months and have set limits he cannot exceed. So we see God, when we are to die, we don't need to be fixed on that or fearful. You need, Jesus says, I've come to give life, life to the full. But no, there is a time limit on your human life. So the most important question that is shocking that most people in the world I don't think are really looking for is really how do I know I'm right with God besides my own personal emotional experience or what maybe people told me growing up? Have I verified it and really figured out from the outside authority of God's word? Am I right with God? But most people don't really do that. I didn't do it till I was like 31. I just assumed, I'm not perfect, but I mean... I would probably think, I guess I would go to heaven. I mean, most people will think that because we evaluate from what we look outside and we're really not as bad as the baddest, I guess. So the, the, the opinion of human beings is higher than it should be of ourselves. I'll, that's why the Bible says throughout the scriptures, do not think of yourself higher than you ought to. It even says that if anyone thinks there's something when they're nothing. It says that in Romans 12. Why is he saying that? Not to put us down, to realize that as you start to be humble toward God, you need to stay humble. And growing in God is being more humble, becoming less. And you realize you never stop pruning out your ego and pride. Confidence is different than pride. Confidence is a power, a subtle power of God. So let's look now. We know that there's a number of days, months, that you know you're going to live. So if you figure it out sooner than later, whoo, like when I found out at 31 and then started to study the Bible, found a group of people that were living it right, not just giving me lip service. I wanted to answer my own questions. How do I know? What does it say? What does Jesus say? Once I found and they were doing it and the group was teaching correctly and there wasn't, and I even didn't really know the Bible that well. And I realized this is amazing to make a decision to live by the word of God and realize now I have a tried and true anchor that I don't, that, that, because people change, cultures change, opinions change, politicians change, even we change our perspectives. But the word of God never changes. So, you know, you can anchor yourself on God. Help me have that direction, Right. So we're going to look at Mark chapter 1. And Mark was not one of the 12 disciples of Jesus, but he probably, wrote, he probably knew Jesus personally. Mark wrote this gospel in the form of a fast-paced story, like a popular novel. The book portrays Jesus as a man who backed up his words with actions that constantly proved his identity as the Son of God. Because Mark wrote his gospel for Christians in Rome, where many gods were worshipped at that time, he wanted his readers to know that Jesus is the one and only true God. See, without God's revelation, our finite minds cannot comprehend the infinite. I'm going to say that again. Without God's revelation... Your finite mind cannot comprehend the infinite. That's why you need faith. 
You can't intellectualize Jesus. Why it is important to examine the knowledge of God's worth, the truth, to base your faith in truths. How do you know really who Jesus is if you don't examine and get to know the real biblical Jesus, which is the only real Jesus? It's not just the name. Infinite is unlimited. Finite is, you know, mathematics, timetables. Uh, if you buy something, it's, it has five sets of something. You know it ends. You, one, two, you know it's, it's over. Infinite, it never ends. Never ends. And that's where, like, God was outside of time. We can't even comprehend that because right. it's infinite. But we, we hear him. We just go, I can't. You don't try to think much past that. Yeah. But no, God said it. So it just makes you in awe of God. Um, so uh, in, in Mark chapter 1, verse 1, it says, in, it says the beginning, it says the beginning of good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of the one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside with all and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist. And he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John's call to make straight paths for him means that people should give up their selfish way of life, according to God, renounce, repent of their sins, understand what is sin. You can't just be religious. I confessed all my sins. You don't even know what sin is. I need to go, like, what is sin exactly when I was studying? Because I want to change. But when we start getting into the Bible and I start getting to build faith, and then the men that studied with me, you know, as they were building my faith and we understood Jesus died, and they said, let's talk about sin. And I go, what do you mean? Like, and I was amazed that the Bible actually broke down the general main sins of life. I was like, oh my gosh, it, I didn't know that. I remember on every list of the sinful nature, the first one was sexual immorality. And they had to explain to me because I didn't use that term. They said, this means sex outside of marriage. And the breakdown is from fornication. It means sex outside of marriage between a man and a woman, any sex. The only sex that God condones is between a husband and wife consummated in marriage, commitment of a relationship forever. And then it said impurity. And I remember studying that. I went, and I, I was sitting like this kind of probably because I was like inside going, I'm looking at all these guys looking at me. I'm like, that's interesting. But I was blowing up inside because I realized sex outside of marriage. Oh my gosh. I was just like, that's been my whole life. I was like, what are you doing? I was like, okay, you got my attention. And then impurity. I went, 
what does that mean exactly? Like, exactly. Because I was like, not trying to fight it. I was like, I'm already deep in now. So let's just, let's just, I don't want to miss anything. And they started going on. And I went, oh my gosh. And I'm still holding together. And these brothers, these men that were speaking with me, they were talking about their sin and how they'd been in these different sins and what they've committed. And I was like, you know, looking at them like, you know, still going, good night. I'm not the only one, but I was still going, you know, still dealing with, this is so deep. I can't even be vague anymore. This is, this is like, I am definitely in these sins, even though I believed in Jesus. And then they continued. And I was like, wow. So I needed to understand what it makes, just like John was calling, make straight paths for him. To get right with God, you need to understand he died for our sins intellectually. That's true. But now you got to get convicted and go, are you ready to own sin? And is there any sins that you just don't maybe know, but you're not taking serious and you still commit them without really having a big deal about it? That's not the way to heaven. That's deceived. It's time to get serious and why you need grace in your battle. Now you got to go, whoa, and be honest with God about what he says sin. I started to agree with every saying God said was sin, even though I need a lot of help. Yeah. And it, but I agree. Yeah. And then I had to even pray for God to help me get convicted because I'd been in sin so long. I realized it was destroying my life and it wasn't getting me anywhere. But I was so numb because I'd been committing sins and so many of my peers and the lifestyle of sins was just everybody. It just seemed like every, it was like I was just numb to it. Because we just all were doing it, and society was doing it. And I was like, oh. So to make straight paths for him means you need to repent, which means that people should give up their selfish ways of living, renounce, for, repent of their sins, seek God's forgiveness. And then that's on the way to finalizing and establishing a relationship with God by obeying and believing his words as found in Scripture. You guys with me? Point number one, a willing and obedient heart is on the right path. Amen. A willing and obedient heart is on the right path. Amen. See, if you honor somebody with your lips, but your heart's not with them, that means you're going along with the program. You ever heard that saying, going along with the program? I'm, drank, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, but I'm not really one of them. It's just ridiculous. You're, you're, you're not honest. You're not honest with yourself or anybody else. Honestly, you shouldn't do anything you don't agree or understand with. Anything. It's, it's okay to ask a question. Like, what's the job entail? Can I know more? You can still be excited, but you don't need to go, oh, I'll take it no matter what you do. Whatever. Yeah, I just want to. No, you got to go, what, 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 I'm very excited to be here. Thank you for seeing me. But you just, no problem to ask questions. Always ask questions to your answers. And that's the way you should be in the scriptures the rest of your life. Look in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, because as you'll read this, Isaiah prophesies the same thing. John, in the book of Mark, was reiterating a prophecy from Isaiah. And if we look at Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, it says, Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. 
Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. I mean, once I started to study the Bible in 1993, which I just assumed growing up, I believe in Jesus, I went to a church, I just would pray when I needed to, but I always believed, but I had no idea when I started to be honest with the scriptures that I was so far deceived that even though I believed in Jesus, I was not right. Why? The Bible made it clear. Because if you're right with God, then you're willing to not know sin in offensive ways and go, I want to change them. And I want you to help me change them. And I'm not going to keep living in them and then be religious on Sunday and not know or know, but just ask for forgiveness in this fake thing and sincerely mean it, but then keep doing it. See, we can deceive ourselves because we can be sincere, but we're like, what are you doing? If someone punched you in the face and every week came back, said, I'm sorry, and then punched you in the face, and then said, I'm sorry, and punched you in the face. Is that really changing? No. See, this is a prophecy hundreds of years earlier. Isaiah had predicted that John the Baptist and Jesus would come. Isaiah's words comforted many people as they looked forward to the Messiah. There were 400 years that God was quiet from Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, to the first speakings. And they were waiting. They were knowing that there was an anticipation that God was coming. And they needed it. Comfort. When you really face God, it shouldn't be fear anymore because you realize it's not about getting in trouble. It's about, I want your help. That's why God, Jesus died. It's not about being defensive or prideful. It's just let me know what I need to do and let me lay out where I'm at and I'm scared and I don't know if I can change and I'm knee deep in sins and patterns of life and it's going to be hard. That's right. But you can do it. Amen. See, knowing that God keeps his promises can comfort us. That's a truth. So, Let's look into this because this is more than just a story. I think um, Vani alluded that when she was growing up, she believed in Jesus, but it was like a lot of us. We just knew some of the Bible stories, but we weren't in the story. See, when Jesus tells a story, anytime the scriptures are spoken, parables, really he wants each person to go, oh, that's nice. No, he wants each person to go, I'm in this. See, he's not talking about older people. Everyone that looks at it, anyone who comes to me, Anyone, all relevant, no matter what time period of humanity, anyone, you, you're anyone. So now you're supposed to go, this is to me. Every time, where do I fit? That's powerful and exciting. But you got to help someone help you be honest because a lot of times we'll just kind of convince ourselves, well, I'm trying, I'm trying. You know, you're not. You have never even lived it. You're just trying to convince yourself because you're afraid to admit you're not right. Pride is so strong. We just want to convince it. No one's trying to argue with you. It's not church against church. It's God's word. It's, part of, it's not just a story. It's part of God's word. In it, God is revealing to us his plans for human history. He has set a time of months, which many months, which is, you know, the year span. Don't bank on that. You could die tomorrow. Every day's a gift. 
a million or more people die a week. They're not planning on it. Get right with God. Um, so God is revealing to us his plans for human history, but to us individually, in the offering of good news of salvation. See, I always think once you get it, not in a self-righteous way, the road is narrow, Jesus says, unfortunately, and most people won't, will go down the wide road where many enter through it. Because if everybody really knew the answers was with a group of people honestly with the scriptures, striving to teach only the scriptures and be honest and living it out, there should be lines around every building of true disciples. There should be lines. Not like it's hard to get in, but it's just like the... It's like, wow, it's not just any church. I can't go to any church because it's not teaching correct doctrine and walking the talk. Then it's void. I got to find out what, I got to say, can someone open the Bible and show me? And then I want to make sure, is this church teaching this and doing this? And that's where you eliminate truth, not by judgment, but by what's right. And it's flawed people always, but not making excuses anymore and striving to let the word live that out. So, although Jesus didn't need forgiveness, he was baptized as well. And that's interesting, right? Well, if you read again in John, uh, Mark chapter 1, go, let's go back to that text. It says here in verse 8, John says, I'll baptize, I will baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Well, what's that mean? Well, first of all, although Jesus didn't need forgiveness, he was baptized for the following reasons to mark the beginning of his public ministry, not an outward sign of an inward heart. That's false doctrine. He also did it to demonstrate that he was truly God's son and approved and endorsed his mission. This is it. I'm the final plan of God. He did it to demonstrate... And he did it also to show unity. Without unity, we're nothing. It's always got to be follow Jesus, but that's how you design it. In the church, it's about relationships. It's not people-pleasing. We follow God, and we strive to follow one another as we follow God. And there's got to be unity. Speaking the truth in love, because we all need that help in love, but there's a unity that he demonstrated. Hey, listen, you've been breaking this down. I can't just go, I don't need, to, I want people to see I, I agree with what you're part of God. You're, you're, this is from God, so let's do this. And then he also did it to identify with all humanness and sin and to give us an example to follow. Now, he didn't sin, but he just demonstrated he was a human being and he was following the line of God's plan. We know in Mark uh, chapter 1, verse uh, 9, it says, At the time Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan, just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love, whom I'm well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness, 40 days being tempted by Satan, he was with wild animals and the angels attended him. So, point number two, 
is God's reflection coming out of you? Is God's reflection coming out of you? Not what you think God thinks. The reflection of the power of demonstrating submission to God and Christ and understanding the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus said, John said in verse 8, it says here in John chapter, I mean Mark chapter 1, verse 8, it says, uh, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Well, what does that mean? People get all confused about that. Ooh, the Holy Spirit's all of a sudden mentioned. Everybody's like, ah, what, what are we going to do with the Holy Spirit? It's, such, it's so simple if you just take it in context. But he says he, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, look in Acts 2.38 or 2.36. Let's just reiterate this good news because this is fast-forwarding a little bit, but this is pretty awesome because as John did his work and then Jesus came down and confronted it and taught for and confirmed it and then taught for... Uh, for three years, died on the cross, rose from the dead. You know, for three years, got his disciples to follow him and re-stamped the message of what it means to repent, make straight way, make your path straight. So in verse 36, Peter was ready finally, and this is another way that God planned it. He started out with the Jews, who were his chosen people, but they weren't being righteous. So he said, guess what? I'm going to bring salvation to all people, but I'm going to start with the God-fearing Jews who are already all in. And he said, I'm going to have a Pentecost, which I know all in sold out Jews, which would be God-fearing, which means love God with all their heart, so mind and strength, greatest commandment. And they all came to Jerusalem. And he speaks to the God-fearing Jews in Acts 2.5. It confirms there were God-fearing Jews staying. And you've got to realize they all traveled from all the civilization and that's how sold out they were. Right. And then he gets them all together, and here we see. He says in verse 36, still planning, making the break it down. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Amen. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you, your children, and all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God would call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized in about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Now, it doesn't mean they all did it, because but 3,000 made the decision. It's a free choice. I'm going to make you an offer that you shouldn't refuse. They could have said, we're God's chosen people. I'm already right. I follow the letter of the law. But see, they went from right to wrong if they, if they decided not to obey God's final plan. See, the minute you, you have the heart to disobey, nothing wrong with questioning or wrestling, but if you just go, I don't believe it, I'm not doing that. And it's scripture, you just went from being right with God to not being in a right position, and you better repent. You can question, you can wrestle, but there comes a decision where God says, I continue to call you to be willing and obedient. What's willing mean? You got to wrestle, you got to check, you got to go, what's going on with my heart? And you got to continue as you're on the right path to heaven. Be willing to be, not just legalistically, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. That's not, you're going to have a messed up heart. You got to always come back into the love of God and go, what is God saying? Help me have the willingness to want to be 
doing it and want to be righteous, want to deny myself, want to be like Jesus, even though I don't feel like it today. See what I'm saying? But see, God made Jesus. Jesus is the final plan of God. What? Lord and Savior. See, to be Lord and Savior, that's the salvation truth. You're saved by grace, but if you just go, I accepted Jesus as my Savior and did some little prayer, even if you're sincere, it's not correct because you don't even know what Lord is. And you can't just intellectualize and go, I just, I agree, I'm, I'm going to make him Lord. He is Lord. You don't know what it is. It's a complete change of life. It's so radical that people that don't understand it will persecute you that are in other churches. It's such a difference in the way Christianity, quote unquote, it's not really Christianity, has watered down so much that a true disciple in the 21st century can seem so fanatical and radical you seem like you're a cult member. But it's just 101 entry be a Christian scriptures that we've drifted so far from that people can't believe it. That's why John dressed so different than the Pharisees. And all Pharisees weren't wrong. He wore the camel belt, and the, I mean the belt and the, and the camel jacket. <laughs> why? Because he was so, didn't want to be anything to the religious leaders those days in the flowing robes that came from their luxurious homes. He was going to be so radical that he jump-started with the message that was radical. You need to be honest and repent and be open with your radical sins. And change is nothing more important. And that's how radical it is, unfortunately, today. They, see, the Holy Spirit, Jesus was baptized, and he said, John said later, I'll, I'll baptize you for the repentance of sins, but Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Here it is. You baptize in the name of Jesus, sins are forgiven, he died on the cross. And you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Jesus enters only then. Not just, I mean, we could, I could say, hey, someone could say, I want to get baptized and even read this intellectually. But if their heart's not correctly understanding, they just get wet. It's not me being the judge, but you got to draw them out and say, hey, do you understand? And it's not like you have to earn it, but are you really understanding the way of life? Because you can't just do it by osmosis. Remember, your mind's inf- is, is finite, infinite. you got to understand what does it mean? Where am I at? Because you can't just stay in patterns of sin out of ignorance anymore. you got to understand because repentance is a salvation issue. Repent and be baptized. And he started with these God-fearing Jews, which the only thing they really needed to repent of is accept that Jesus was the final plan. There wasn't a lot of, like, sin because they were all in already. They already were worshiping God and sold out. And all they needed to do is actually, okay, this is God's final plan, and now I understand it. I believe Jesus is the prophet, is the son of God that they prophesied about. And, and he said, God made this Jesus. They go, what, what are we going to do? And they were humble. But they were right as rain besides that. If, before Jesus came or that message, they were right with God from the old covenant. The new covenant came. So it's just humility. See, for us, we're all junked up. We're all a mess. We're not like the God-fearing Jews sacrificing and being so sold out and reminded and doing the law and following the law, not as legalism to keep your heart in touch. Most of us are in the world that's gone to, that's gone really wrong, the darkness, the terrible times. We need to get in touch with so much sin and we got to back out. You guys with me? So let's go to uh, Malachi chapter three. And point number two is, is God's reflection coming out of you 
more and more? Is God's reflection coming out of you more and more? Let's look at Malachi, because this is also John the Baptist and the prophets reiterated what he says here. And Malachi was the last book written in the Old Testament. 400 years went by silent. And then the Gospels started to be preached and Jesus was born in like 30, uh, well, like, you know, probably 1 A.D. or something. 33 A.D. he died. So this is like 400 years, silence of God. But the people of God continued to worship because God wasn't not just, he wasn't there. He was still God. And they had the way of life. And who's going to be righteous was the remnant group of true followers of God. In Malachi 3, verse 1, he says, I will send my messenger who, who will prepare the way before you. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit down as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings and righteousness, and the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in the days gone by as in the former years. See, these, these verse, this verse mentions, is, mentions two messengers. The first is understood to be John the Baptist, as you can even read in Matthew 11, verse 10, in other scriptures that we read as well. Luke 7, 27, in many other scriptures, the second is Jesus. The Messiah, for whom both Malachi and John the Baptist were saying, prepare the way, man. It's coming. It's coming. See, in the process of refining metals, he breaks it down. This is repentance. Repent. Prepare the way. Make your path straight. It's not just a natural intellectual, okay, and you convince yourself because you're a good moral person. There's no such thing as a good moral person that can get to heaven. A good moral life won't save you. You must need forgiveness no matter who you are. And see, that's where you just got to let go of your justification and rationalization and your sincerity and your emotions. You must match them to the truth and be humble. The process of refining metals, the raw material ore is heated with fire until the metal melts. The impurities separate from the liquid metal and rise to the surface. They are skimmed off when you purify a metal. Without this heating and melting, no purifying would occur in refining metals. That's why they used this even back then. They did that. They, we know what that means. It's a lot of heat, intensity, to, to, to really purify your heart, to bring forward your sins. The impurities, they, it got hot. They got refined, and then those impurities came up to the surface so they could deal with them and take them away. And that's what God wants to do is to forgive you. But you got to get honest and refine your heart and be open, and it's hard work to get right. The launderer's soap is interesting because the launderer's soap was, 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 was used to whiten cloth. The washing and bleaching of cloth is used here as an additional symbol for what? Purifying process. So as we, we are purified by God, his reflection in our lives will become more and more clear to those around us. 
It's not we're better than anybody, but as you're really honestly being humble and striving to walk along the path of Jesus and knowing you need grace, but you're striving to change and, 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 and sin less and purify yourself and shooting for I'm going to be righteous. The love, the, the characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit you receive at baptism will continue to move you. But before you're baptized, you must repent. And see, most people miss that. It's not a quip lip service and one deal. You sincerely mean it. No one's going to judge you, but you really get in touch with your heart. It's a serious issue. Yeah. Just like if anybody studied the Bible, you'll know that. You mean well, but I needed to have people draw me out. I needed to talk. I needed to understand. I needed to even realize how much of a liar I was. I lied. Then I realized I lied a lot when I started to really be honest with the Bible. But in the world, of wor- in the world I, I, you know, I'm trying to, you know, someone calls me at the house. Tell them I'm not here. That's a lie. Whoa, I'm not, I got, I'm not even right there. I just, that's a natural habit. That's, well, you know what I mean. No, that's a lie. Whatever you say must be honest. There's no fudging it. Well, you know what I mean, God. No, a lie is a lie. I had to redo my phrase and go, if it's for me, I, I'm not able to come to the phone right now, take a message. I don't have to explain why, but that's, you know, it's not saying I'm not here. I had to, re- you guys are laughing, that, that's being purified. Not saying yes because you don't want to hurt someone's feelings. And when you actually do it, you got to go back and say, I'm sorry. I can't. I don't know why I said yes. Just, I'm sorry. And you don't have to explain yourself. And you learn you're growing. Like, I don't need to worry about people pleasing because that's a trap too. You're lying. Don't tell mom. It'll hurt her feelings. Well, guess what? Unfortunately, it might. But she's not allowed to be spared from truth. It has to have consequences. Everybody must understand the consequences must fall even if they're terrible. Are we purified by God? His reflection in our lives will become more and more clear as you're walking with Jesus and really understanding that you are willing and obedient You've, you've really got in touch, and now you're going to walk the rest of your life striving to honor God in your life and become more like God's definition of character, which is Jesus. Yes. Are you open to enduring God's refining process? Otherwise, you're not open to repentance. No one just naturally repents. I got it. Okay, I'm ready. You have a cost. Jesus says everyone has to give up everything they have, or you can't be my disciple. Yep. You can't hold little crevices of your heart it's idolatry god doesn't want to hurt your life he's just saying you can't have anything before me might be scary at first see god would bring the people of judah to trial in his purification process they'd be judged for what in those days there was many sins just like today the heart the human heart may have technologically and intellectually advanced but the human heart hasn't changed since the beginning of man you want to, you, you, you lie, you're jealous, you're angry, and anger eventually can be extremely led to violence or assault. All that's happening today, crazy. You're racist, you're prejudiced, you, you, someone hurts your feelings, you're unforgiving, that's sin too. You don't get to hold an attitude. You're, you're, a, you're a disciple. If you're walking with God, you can get an attitude because you're a sinner, but as a true disciple in the way of life, you must deal You must go and get help to resolve and bring it up. You can't just go in the closet and go, God, sorry I hurt that person. Please forgive us. I hope he's all right too. No, you got to go to that person. And you got to purify and be humble. 
So what was going on in Malachi was they were being judged for witchcraft. They, they followed false gods. Witchcraft is anything. Witchcraft is if you're trusting in your horoscope. Astrology, you're, 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 you're worshiping the devil. That's witchcraft. There's only one God. Jesus is the true God. So if you're trusting in anything for belief or comfort of an occult, Satan is there. And he hides himself under different labels because there's only one God. Adultery. They had to convince that. And in the same breath, they would be judged for abusing their neighbors, cheating employees, uh, oppressing people that you know you can take advantage of. Taking advantage of people that are in challenging situations. Yeah. You know you can, so you do. That's, that's what the world does. Yeah. Depriving people of justice because you're fine, but others aren't. Mm -hmm. To say nothing is wrong. Yeah. You know, are we quick to point out hypocrisy as Christians? We're not living it out. Mm -hmm. Sexual immorality. But we could be slow to speak to those who are being mistreated, but because it's not bothering you yet. See, loving God and helping neighbors go together. Love God with all your heart, love your neighbor as yourself. The greatest commandment is love God. Second one, you can't help but start to reflect a care and a love for all people. I pray to, be, to have a, a, a not a resting face that's unfriendly when I go out. And it's not even that I meant well. I just saw a picture a long time ago. Wow, I don't look that friendly. So I've had to set my mind that I'm going to decide when I'm in Home Depot or anything. I'm just like. Well, you might think why. Because if I get into a discussion or I share my faith, I'm trying to be not fake, but I'm trying to be, have a kind, approachable person. Not just another big thug that they think is going to, you know. You know what I mean? You don't, you go, Why, where does it say that in the Bible? It doesn't, but I want to be approachable and be available for all human mankind. I don't want anybody to think possibly I'm not friendly. That takes an effort. That's what I've decided. The last point is temptation is for your good. Let's pick it up in verse, uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 12. So after Jesus got baptized and God's voice came from heaven and said, you're my son whom I love. I'm well pleased. And then in verse 12, it says that once the spirit sent him into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. See, we could say the devil's tempted. No, it's good. God led Jesus. The spirit led Jesus not away from sin, but into it. Now, there's a difference between not being wise, flee from the evil desires of your youth, don't put yourself in positions, be humble, get advice. Like, I won't, you know, you got to go, what will, will this help me? And you just got to be honest. It's not judgment anybody, but is this when you're trying to change and you have changed, you got to be honest with things that aren't going to help you or temptations. That's, that's humility. But think about this. Jesus was led straight into it because he had to deal with temptation as a human being in every way. See, the impurities separate us. And as impurities are skimmed off the top, the reflection of the worker appeals in the smooth, pure surface of the metal that you're refining. When it's coming off, you're getting all the metals from the really intense heat, purifying, separating the impurities from the pureness, and now purifying. 
And that's what has to happen with us to really show you're not just intellectually giving lip service. I tell our Bible talk leaders meeting that as you're maturing in Christ, don't be down on yourself, but how you respond to challenges or life or problems in a consistent way is really how you're growing or not. If you're quick to lose your temper or lash out or have an emotional meltdown, don't be down. We're not judging you, but just be honest. You need to mature spiritually. It's immature spirit. It's emotionally immaturity is spiritual immaturity. And we all have it at times, but just be honest. Go, God, help me. And if you hurt someone's feelings, say sorry. That's why the Bible says be slow to speak, quick to listen. See, this is what we're doing here. By purif- the, the, but the purifying process is, can be painful even if you want to, but it's, it's awesome. It's like going into a doctor or surgeon, you know you need to get this, and you know it's going to help you, but you're still like, oh. But you go because you've already trusted that what has been told to you by the professional surgeon or doctor, it needs to be done, and it's going to help you. And it hurts in the initially, and even recovery, you're in pain, but you go, wow, thank you. Are you open to enduring God's refining process? If you're not, then you're not open to going to heaven. Because there's some reason you just don't want to be confronted. I don't want to listen. I want God, but don't get too close, God. And I don't want to have to t- be open with you on things. God already knows. It's, you need to be willing. It's a relationship. You, God already knows everything. Why did, He wants you to be willing. you got to participate and go, I trust you. Here's what I've done. God's like, I knew that all the time. But you have to have that willingness to want. I'm not going to force you. you got to acknowledge it's wrong. You guys with me? So if John's baptism was for princes of sin, why was Jesus baptized? Well, the greatest prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, had to confess their sins and a need for repentance. Jesus didn't need to admit sin. He was sinless. But although Jesus, he didn't need forgiveness, he was baptized, like I said, for those reasons. Unity. So Jesus left the crowds, went into the desert where he's tempted by Satan. What's temptation? Temptation is bad for us only when we give in. Otherwise, you prove your genuineness. You're able to stand up and go, no, that's not for me. No, thank you. Or you go along with your friends outside of church that you used to know, and you lead yourself, and you go, I fell into sin. No, you just weren't strong enough to resist temptation. You shouldn't have done that. Hopefully, you'll repent. We should not hate or resent times of inner testing. That's temptation. It's really testing who you really are. Who are you really away from everybody else? God's there, but I need to see it. I need to put you on a challenge because you may not even know you're not where you need to be. And you may think you're higher than you ought to. And you don't even realize this has to be brought out to show you. And I don't want you to fall, but i got to show you. It's inner testing. Because God wants to strengthen our character and teach us valuable lessons as we strive to honor God in our faith. Because faith is what saves us. It's faith in the blood of Jesus, showing Jesus and God that Jesus died not for me to play around, but I'm all in. I really want to deal with sin the way God shows me how. And thank you, Jesus. And I don't care if I'm not popular anymore. See, when you face Satan, you must deal with these temptations and the emotional unrest and turmoil that it brings inside you. you got to remember every day. So 
he used God's word against Satan and won. That's what Jesus did. If you look at Jesus, he didn't give us any, some kind of big, fat, long explanation that we can't imitate. It's simple. When Satan attacked him, he refuted with the word of God. See, do you know the word of God? How well do you know your Bibles, church? You should be learning, not just to read, any, meeny, mighty, mo. You should be walking away, and yesterday, you should, what you're studying shouldn't just be check, and today, you don't remember the theme of what is God moving in your heart. It's walking with God, not doing an assignment. Satan is an angelic being who rebelled against God. He's real. He's not symbolic, and is he constantly, he's at work against God and those who obey him. Those who don't want to obey him and just decide, I'm fine. Don't worry. He's not going to really push you. God's going to try to move you and have disciples share with you and continue to put opportunities. But if you're already not open and not really wanting to look for it, why would he? Satan doesn't even really need to worry about it. Just stay in it. You're enjoying your sin. It hasn't destroyed you enough. You're a target when you step up and go, I know the truth now, and I'm walking the truth, and I need grace. And then you're even moved because I love God, and I know you want to walk with me, God, but I need you. That's where the Bible talks about the battle is not against flesh and blood. Now it's exciting because God can't, Satan cannot take you. But if you don't understand the humility and need to be with God, you're playing with fire. Satan tempted Eve in the garden, persuaded her to sin. He tempted Jesus in the wilderness, but he did not persuade him to fall. To be tempted is not a sin. Tempting others or giving in to temptation is a sin. So Jesus, to fully identify with human beings, he had to endure temptations. So you can say, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. It says that. And it says, when Jesus was tempted. That means Jesus could have been tempted to be lustful. He, could have, he was a man. He could have been tempted in all the sins that you may struggle with, but he didn't. Because he had to become human in every way. The Bible actually says he was tempted in every way. So it's not like, wow, I'm not Jesus. No, you're not. But Jesus understands because he relinquished all his godlike power and walked in faith and showed us how to have a relationship. So because Jesus faced temptations and overcame them, he can assist us in two important ways as we come in for landing. As an example of how to face temptation without sinning. You actually can face temptation without sinning if you're in Christ. Because you're staying close to God. You're staying close to the way of life he calls you to be devoted. Vonnie alluded like being in a movement. We don't meet together just because God wants to keep us busy. Part of walking with God is seeing the need to be individually with God, but then devoted to walk and love each other and become not the, ch- the, well, the, the church, but what the Bible calls is a family. Yes. And the second thing is God is a helper who knows just what we need because he's gone through the same experiences. So let's close out at Hebrews chapter 4, 15. If you're studying the Bible in here, I commend you because we're not better than anybody, but I, want, no, I do know one thing. I've been in this movement of churches for 28 years, and no, no, leaders come and leaders crumble, people fall. doesn't matter. The truth is being lived out, and that's what you're looking for. You're looking for the way of life. And look what it says in verse 14. Because we all don't need to sin if we, if we stay close to God. You really don't. That's why you grow. And that's why the reflection of God comes out of you more. Because you actually are following Jesus and changing. So if you can't change and you're a disciple, dynamics. 
Some of us as disciples, and I'm speaking to the members of the church, I need to challenge you. Get over it and grow. Quit staying in your little temptations. Quit using excuses. The same sin. Bumps. Not being able to resolve quickly. Holding an attitude. Who do you think you are? Jesus died for you. Unless your baptism wasn't real and you don't have the spirit. Forgive quickly. Who do you think you are? Get with them. Get help. Don't walk around with a sinful attitude and call yourself a disciple. Because Jesus died. (laughs) Marriage. You better keep growing and shining in that marriage. And if you have little bumps and you're getting things, you're both either prideful, defensive, or someone needs a lot of help. Grow out of it. If you got married, say, I do, and then be a disciple and say, I do. And do. Change. Change. Because you can't, but with God you can. That's the only evidence. In Hebrews 4, 13, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Wow. See, repentance is a salvation issue, and it just doesn't, don't just think, oh, okay. No, that's where Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations. It's a process to draw you out with God's word. Be honest. And you can't just go, if you don't fit into the way of life of disciples in the Bible, and you continue to think you're right, then who are you making into a disciple? And where are your disciples? You, there's so many just people that, I believe in Jesus, I'm religious, but they don't have a lifestyle and a pattern of life that emulate the church in the Bible. Yeah. The connection, the way we teach, that's where the conviction is. you got to be honest and humble. Most, a lot of the world, religious pride is so strong. It's just, it's not about churches, it's not about grandma, it's not about aunt. No, no. It's about just get out of your sentimentality. Repent, repent of sentimentality. Emotions are overrated when you're sentimental. Follow the truth and don't worry about hurting people's feelings. Speak it in a way of go, I'm following this. You're not betraying your family church or your line of churches or your parents or pastors or whatever. If it's not speaking correctly, then you got to go, you know, I've been studying the Bible and speaking in a respectful way, but don't feel afraid. The word of God is the word of God is the word of God and to God be the glory. Amen.